1: All right, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. I've got a familiar guest with you. We're here to finish the tale. I got Shane Tubbs with me once again, but we're not going to start with his story. We're just going to start with something that is just upright interesting. <laughs> so Shane, take it away, man. About uh, bird shit.
2: So <laughs> don't spoil the punchline, man. <laughs> All right, so we're sitting around talking I to that about. Part out. <laughs> we're talking about fun you know, people that I know, and I mentioned that I know somebody that works at the Smithsonian and how much I love science. And we're talking about (laughs) the guys who discovered background radiation in space and how they did that. And they're really like sound engineers is really what they were. So they've got this big telescopic, you know, satellite and it's pointed up in the air and they're trying to get these, you know how engineers are, they're like, no fuzz, no buzz, anything. And they're trying to get these really crisp... AT&T, you can hear a pin drop, you know, sounds Uh coming out. And and they can't. They're getting this background static. This, it's just horrible. White noise. Yes, and it's just, it's... They just can't get rid of it, so it doesn't matter which way they're going. And dude, they did everything trying to fix it. They pull wires. They change their you know their entire angle. They change the material the thing's covered with. They clean. They spent like days cleaning off what they called dielectric material. I love that. But what? Now, I love. <laughs> most people call that bird shit, but <laughs> but but it's dielectric material. I guess. I guess yeah, no, my yeah. buddy could tell you it's not but, bird shit it's dielectric yeah. material but anyway turns <laughs> out that this noise they're hearing is the sound of the universe being born mm-hmm. is what it is that's their theory I mean they don't yeah. have any you know they weren't there yeah. so <laughs> they can't yeah. they don't have footage and I'm a skateboarder no footage it's fiction Never yeah. happened. Kickflip? I gotta see it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, everybody has to see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And somebody needs to have been there. For, anyway, yeah. Without footage, it's fiction. So uh, so anyway, they they don't even think to theorize this, but this other guy hears what the problem was and finds out that they have found what he's probably spent his whole life searching for, which is background radiation noise. Yeah. And uh, so now uh he they publish their findings and all the numbers and everything and then this other scientist describes it and they like share a Nobel prize or something fantastic yeah this is oh this is dude this is why i say cultural appropriation is good <laughs> you have to appropriate everything yeah. if we're not working together then we're working against each other okay we yes we went from fire to sending people to the moon Not because that guy who invented fire finally figured out how to send people to the moon. No, we just howled on top of that until we just kept throwing sticks at it. (laughs) Until finally. And that's what we got to do. So.
1: Only you. (laughs) In finishing where we started. We were
2: making our way
1: (laughs) to the studio.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, uh, I think I had mentioned Kevin's name. You did? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, uh. Kevin Wade, we'll reiterate, you know, he yeah. worth, he worth, he's worth an extra mention. So Kevin Wade is this guy I met by accident. He was a resident of Tupelo, and uh, he's a blues man. He plays, uh, he had several albums at that time, and uh, a friend of a friend knew him, and uh, he was putting together the Singer-Songwriter Night, and we did the Singer-Songwriter Night, and through that we met, and... Kevin wanted to record our country sound because he had only been recording his own blues albums. Turns out he had produced all of his albums. Yeah. Uh at home on his computer with his, you know, with his own sound equipment. Now he has a he has a lot of show enough sound equipment, you know. Right. But uh he wanted to come record us and at the time uh I was in between the band I have now and the band I started with. So uh I was anxious to try out a few songs, so he came and recorded Crappie and Roses and Miss mm-hmm. for us. And this stuff, like he played it for for us rough at the end of the day after we had finished the one day's recording. Mm-hmm. And it was... I never knew it would sound that good. Like, it was amazingly good right then. It was so good to me. You know, I was just happy to have it probably. And, you know, I had you know, rose-colored glasses on, maybe. But it just sounded so crisp and everything was, you know, was at the right volume and mixed together properly. Right there, just an hour he had spent, you know, fooling with it. Yeah. And uh, he, uh you know, cut us a little demo CD and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I went on writing songs and he went on harassing me <laughs> about... Needed how, more. Yeah, help. How long until we do the whole album, you know? Right, we're, we're gonna do a whole album, so I drugged together. And just
1: to like, piece this back together for people, we had uh, the old band, it would be like people like Priest, who yeah, were so out. right,
2: yeah, yeah. Our uh, our original three were myself and Larry Priest and Chris Folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Folks moved, right? So, uh, we cut the album, the or the demo, the three song demo at uh, Larry's house, it was me and Larry. And, or Larry and I, I apologize, and, uh, and um, uh, Ed Swine and my friend Lance Cooper. Not the Lance Cooper from Columbus, Mississippi. He's okay. a Lance Cooper from somewhere else. Not the right moose. In this town, I have to explain that to everybody. Because everybody knows. Because Lance Cooper's a legend, right? Well, this Lance Cooper is a legend over in Gordo. (laughs) It's just you know when you're a legend in Gordo, nobody else really hears about it. It's all about Pico over there, right? Right, exactly. Yes, because the whole town smells of it. Well. I feel like you're stuck on that. <laughs> I, I am a bit. Every
1: time I go through there, I was like, it always smells like this. <laughs> it does,
2: though. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I think I mentioned, you and I talked about it uh, yeah, during our did. first interview. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, It's it smelled like it then. It did. And my stepdad's older than me. He's lived there his whole <laughs> life. He claims it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's like. Smelled like pico for yeah. 60 years. God said, let there be light. <laughs> You smell that? What does that smell? <laughs> it was Pico. Pico. Right. It's been here eternally. So, uh, so uh, yeah, it's me, Larry, uh, and that Lance Cooper is our drummer. And uh, so we did, we played like that um, for really just a few months until, and I think I, I think I mentioned this before, but until uh, Lance got, got busy with work and busy with life and he, he just couldn't hold in anymore. Uh, so then Uh, Larry and I played a lot of duos. Uh, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That that Lance, the other Lance. And (laughs) Larry fell in love. I mentioned that, you know. Yeah. So Larry kind of backed away from us playing together. And eventually, you know, he just dropped out altogether. I had always heard when bands break up, it's terrible, you know. But, but these guys, you know, like I said, it was of course, we're all grown men, too, you know, yeah. we're all like above thirty, <laughs> yeah. everybody at least, and uh, so nobody was anyway there was there was very little anger, irritation, you know, yeah, uh, and uh everybody it just kind of split off.
1: I've never had a band a bad band breakup, yeah, and these bands I've been in, these were all like uh early twenties. Or you know even teenage, but like my were, experience were, is were positive. We, were we touring or mm-hmm. doing a lot of big things? No. Yeah. Yeah. But locally, yeah. Right. I mean, we were, but when it came time and we were just breaking up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like breaking up with a girlfriend. It right. was like, you know, I got this going on now, and I think yeah. I, I think I need to try this. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. You know? Right. It wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. and we would collaborate later.
2: Right. Well, and that's been the th- that's been true, you know, with all of us. Uh Chris came back. Uh Chris moved back and I had Ed been playing in my band, you know, and uh people people would, you know, I'd hear from them, you know, and they would be like, "Hey, I guess Chris is your bass player again, you know?" Uh, yeah. And I'm like, "No, no." What? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, Ed and I Ed had a uh, you know, made his uh, we already had a unit, you know, by the time Chris came back at it was just, uh, I was by myself for, not by myself, I still had Ed, uh, so Lance stepped away, Larry stepped away, and uh, Ed and I had, uh, Ed had only been playing in the band for months, you know, at mm-hmm. the time, but uh, he was on the few songs that we did for the uh, uh, for the demo, and yeah. so between, uh, between that time and the time I built the band again, I started writing a couple more songs, because Kevin, you know. Hey, hey <laughs> we need more. I did. So so we talked to Shonda. Shonda and I had played together a few times. Again, I think I'm recovering that again, but uh we uh she played in Larry's uh and his daughter's band. Um and he pla she, she played with everybody I knew. We had known each other for years, even yeah. though we didn't quite meet up. So uh she started playing in the band. Now it's Ed, myself and her and now we've got, you know, seven or eight songs that I've written, you know. And so we start working them up. And by the time we get those done, I've got a few more that I've got set aside. So we ended up just doing ten songs on the first album. But uh, we started, we had those three to start with. Mm-hmm. You know, we kept uh, we kept Larry's, you know, Larry's Got Licks on the album. I thought that was really cool that uh, we yeah. had done that ahead of time. Larry came and played banjo on Crappie. Uh, he has, yeah uh, I've heard that. yeah yeah and it's uh it's it's great let me,
1: let me ask you this about um the early songwriting and even now um, with your uh, creative process is this like just for instance for crappie and mm-hmm. you know, just like he hates a country song I'm gonna write a country song and make him love it
2: right right right
1: or like so what is some of the process behind some of the songs
2: I, I don't know how other songwriters are but when I write a song on purpose yeah, like like that. Like I'm like okay. I want to write a country song that my buddy will like, and you know, I I on purpose pick fishing. You know, I didn't necessarily because yeah, th- he pick likes fishing. crappie, right? But yes, we fish together, and and this is something I know very well about him. So I yeah. know what he will and won't find amusing, and it really is. I wonder if all songs are like that on some level, but it really is directed at one person. You know, okay. yeah. it really is directed at him. You you know, but. But I I I wanna enjoy it. I want him to enjoy it. And yeah. I want other people to be able to understand it. Yeah. You know, that's my goal in writing that song. So so from there, you know, I, I think about the funny stuff, you know. <laughs> I think about the stuff that's funny about fishing. I mentioned that guy that I worked with yeah. that said uh, he was drowning minors. Yeah, you know, and that's um, the most
1: ridiculous idea.
2: It is. It is. Yes, it's it's so it's so ignorant. But he's he's he was one of those guys, and he had a plethora of those. And I only used that one yeah. line of his. But he says, uh, and it's one of the best lines in that song. I, yeah. Every time it comes on, I enjoy hearing <laughs> that line. Um, going uh, down uh, to drown some minutes. Another friend <laughs> of mine said said that uh, they're not going to bite tomorrow. He's like, because we made all their mouths sore today. Uh, you know, That's another really guy, yeah, bobber's down, and yeah, their mouths are sore, the basket's full, you know, and we, Petters and I fish, and we, a lot of people use a stringer, a lot of people use a live well, but we use a basket. Yeah. And, but it doesn't matter what you use because everybody knows what you're getting at. Hey, man, we're having a good day, you know, and yeah. it's getting late, And but... But I ain't going nowhere because we're catching fish, and it's you know every if you're a fisher person of any caliber, yeah. Then you've had that day, you know, and and so it works anyway. So it's you know what you're talking about, like you were saying about Bob Dylan, you know. Yeah. Uh, he he doesn't write about God because he has to be right. Right. But but I can be right about crappie fishing because yeah. I know I know what from whence I speak, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so anyway, crappie. Probably, probably one of the easier songs I ever wrote because of that. It's just something that I enjoyed. I had to cut lyrics. I had to cut stuff because I just had so many weird ideas and yeah. you know. Uh, for that particular song, I, I just did exactly like I said. I just wrote down funny little lines and then I kind of tied them all together. M- Melissa, my late wife, she used. Oh my gosh, she hated being called woman. Uh, she hated it. Like, you know, I'd be like, woman, I'm going, oh, I learned, I learned like six seconds into the marriage (laughs) not to make that mistake. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, No, sir. No, ma'am. No, I didn't. I I learned not to make that mistake. (laughs) But, but in the, uh, you know, uh, I told that woman I'd be home by nine. Well, I can get away with that in the song, you know, but I know, and this is just kind of a closet thing for me. Nobody else cares. But when, I, when we did that song, Melissa and I would make eye contact because she knew that I was never going to say that. I told you, woman, I'd be home by now. I would never, ever say that to her because I'd be terrified. But I could say it laughingly right now because, you know, yeah. it's a joke. And that's what it is. And yeah, that was the point of it. Yeah, and anyway, there's, you know... Every line is is like that, you know. I, if I went through the whole song piece by piece, you know, yeah. Uh, I get up in the morning, you know, and that's that's what it is. It sounds like at the beginning, the guy's getting up and leaving his wife, you know, and she's she's begging him, "Don't leave me," and he's, "Hey man, screw you, I gotta go." Yeah. But. But then, as soon as you realize he's going fishing, you're like, well, yeah, of course he had to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're instantly you got to go side. drown some men. Right. And, and the great thing is, is that most other women are on your side, too. They're like, yeah, well, yeah, he needs his fishing, the idiot. I yeah. shop, he fish it, or whatever women do. I don't know what Mine shop, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> this will probably get me in trouble. All right, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> So out of the creative process, back to the uh, back to the story. Yeah, if you remember uh, where we were, and we, I do, yeah, because uh, I wrote it down. No, I didn't. Wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut uh, we cut the first album, and uh, let's see, how does that go? Oh, I got a couple of friends to do this and that because I was. I tell you what, I was just amazed that I was going to be making an album, and after hearing those first three songs, like. I don't know. I don't I don't want to get too deep and, you know, unfashionably, you know, emotional about this, not teary. But anyway, I don't want to get too far into it really, but it was so surreal? it was so surreal exactly. It was so surreal to me that I wrote these songs, that these are like these are mine, like You know, I didn't invent these chords and I didn't invent bluegrass in general. No. Uh, And I didn't invent crappie fishing. And I didn't invent most of the sayings that I wrote down. But I did this to, you know, and we like made it fun. Like with the man, when we recorded crappie, we've got different cuts of the guys going, crappie! 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 Like at different pitches, I did them, Kevin did them, Larry did them, and again, if you listen to the song, you know, and, and you can differentiate, especially if you got your buds on or you yeah. got it rocking in the truck, good. Like you can differentiate the like the different towns. Shoddy. Uh when we do it live, our favorite thing to do is to cut it, crop it. The last crop it was, crop it, and I, we all just shut up. And Shonda from the back, unmiked at a, at a, oh, at the no. show, she goes, double. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite thing on earth. That's great. Right? It is. But we <laughs> we cut that song at uh, at Larry's house, and Ed and I had to sit on the couch and be quiet while Larry's in the back. And we can't hear the song or anything, but it'd be quiet, and then all of a sudden you'd hear from way back in the back, Robert! <laughs> Robert! Robert! For no reason, and we're trying to not laugh. Oh man, that, we failed miserably. Like you can probably hear our laughter in the background. Uh, but but after that, like it was it was it was just so surreal to me. And I was like, dude, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make an album. I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna. I didn't want to make the album sound like we're not. We're a three-piece band. You know, we're not a twelve-piece band. We're not Leonard Skinner. We're ZZ Top. We're, we're not ZZ Top either. We we're way below them. But yeah, <laughs> three-piece. Yeah, we're a three-piece band. Right. That's the kind of sound you you get when you come see us. But at the same time, I wanted some keys in a song. You know. Uh, so our good buddy Jimmy Red came over and played piano for me because. Jimmy Red was a friend of ours, and he'd yeah. always been like one of the five friends of mine that Melissa liked. <laughs> she thought Jimmy was a great guy. We thought we both did, you know. Yeah. Jimmy's a Jimmy's a cool cat. He's
1: gonna be on the show. And, soon.
2: Uh, I can't imagine why he's only the third most interesting human ever born. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> he's he, he's yeah. so fun. Yes. Oh, I'll be listening in. I might just, I might it. I might sit over in the corner and just like try to not talk. Yeah. But he played keys on a couple of songs. A friend of mine from church, a lady that sings, uh, man, sings great alto. She just sings great in general. Rhonda Richardson. Mm -hmm. uh, She uh, uh, she sang some on one of the songs. It's uh, anyway, you know. I just wanted to make sure I had everything. I kept Larry and them in the mix on the first few songs that we had cut because. Cause it, that's how I heard them in my head at that point, you know, yeah. and like I, I was like, they deserve that, like they deserve, you know, that that kind of credit for it, you know, and that's Larry on, you know, Crappy, like man, that Larry Priest lick, that oh man, he does it better than anybody, man. Yeah. Uh, it's it, anyway, it, it it was so, it the whole thing start to finish was just surreal, like mm-hmm. uh, the songwriting process, like. Took me, took me in like, oh man, it took me in, uh, in bad places sometimes. Like, took, it it was, it came at a bad time. Uh, the, the end, towards the end of the album, uh, things got, things got tougher. Uh, we did the album, by the time we released the album, uh, Melissa's health was, yeah was on a, you know, had went from like a slight downhill to, it was at the precipice and, you know, any, any time now we're going to. We're gonna to have to start making serious plans on, on her being at home all the time and on me being there to take care of her. and. So that you
1: know, a lot of the lyrics go really dark? Uh,
2: not a lot of them. You know, as I think back to it, I, uh, a, lo- a lot of it I wrote right before the precipice, if you will. Okay. You know, so um, we're getting, I don't, I don't want to nail down the dates exactly, but we put the album out in June of 2016. Mm-hmm. and. uh and she passed in October of 2016. Um, so, but we started work on the album in early 2016. You know, okay. so in those first few months, we knew she, we knew her health was deteriorating. Like I said, even then. Yeah. But it had. You know, I don't – whether it be just I I didn't want to admit it or I didn't want to, you know, uh, face it or whatever, or whether it was just really that she kept it, you know, kept the seriousness of it from me good enough, I I really can't say. But uh, we we did well in that first year despite the fact – in that first part of that year, I mean – Despite the fact that we both knew that she was in bad, dire straits, you know,
0: yeah. uh,
2: but we we were hoping for a transplant at that time. We had her sister had been approved for a transplant around that time, uh, so we were. She had some hoops she had to jump through medically. She had to get these blood counts right and these tests done and all that. And uh, when um, anyway, I, I said all that to say that's that's why we were very hopeful at the first of the year. And so we got through most of the album like that. But she had a flare up of what ultimately took her this uh this condition called calcius and it, it's very painful and it was she had to do treatments and the treatments were much like chemotherapy. She she would get yeah. sick after the treatments, she would be woozy and mm-hmm. uh and stuff like that. So that was, like I said, that was just in the last month and a half or so of us working the album and getting everything together. And we weren't hurrying. We would sometimes spend three sessions on one song. Yeah. We we pecked mm-hmm. at it, and uh, that's just how we went through it. But uh, there's a song called Gone on there that was a, uh, was a, like, it was that time. Like, I just, it was at this, it was just a terrible moment for me to be writing a song. And it turned out to be, like, Melissa's favorite song on the album. She... Heard it and realized, like you know, what it meant, and uh, and it it was like an open communication thing. Like it, it made it okay for us to talk about it because she, you know, she did she knew she couldn't take everything I said in the song seriously, but because of that, but with like
1: that one, she could.
2: Yeah, she realized, like seriously, like what this is, you know, what this going to mean to me, as well as what it's going to mean for her too. So it it all came, like I said, at a tough time, but we made it through it by. You know, just by kind of paying attention to the to the album and, you know, we had each other and we'd always been good about being like, we got time and as long as we got time and we're okay, she could still walk and make it around. She was, you know, like she managed the whole uh, album release party and the whole, you know, like a lot of the album release. She handled, yeah. you know, business and made calls and booked us, you know, in places and stuff because of it. Good manager. And, uh, she was. Uh, all the way up until... In June, like, she was feeling bad, but that was, like I said, that was when we released the album. Week or two later, we had a couple of shows where we had, uh, where we sold, you know, mad CDs, and her and uh, her and my nephew set up a table in Aberdeen at this festival, and, like, oh, man, it was just, like, we were famous, you know, for a minute there. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was cool. I mean, it's still, like, one of the, my favorite experiences, just having, hey, man, this is our album, man. And, like, it's not... I said this last time. You know, it's not. It's not like that. I was like, "Oh man, look what I did." You know, look but, what we did. Yeah, look. You know, look what this is. Look what's happened, man. I mean, <laughs> do you? It was incredulity. You know, is really what it was. I just couldn't yeah. believe that that things were were like this. And I I joked at the time. You know that. You know, God can come get me whenever He gets ready. Like this is this has been as cool. A, it was as great a time in my life as I thought I would ever have. Uh, and uh, it, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, there's, I'm, I got this great marriage and, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can act when I want and I'm a healthy guy and I can, you know, I can skate and play music and yeah. I've got these great friends and family and, you know, you just, and I, and I still do. I'm not saying that's a past I've had tense those thing, epitomes
1: you know. too, man. To yeah, where man. I, These, these really high points in my life to where if I was to die the next minute, it would be okay with me. Yeah. Because like I'm not saying I've done everything I wanted to do. No, no. But will you ever. But but I am completely satisfied with where I am now. And if I die, I'm fulfilled. Because I have lived.
2: That, you know, I was talking about that book that that that, that guy wrote. And uh, he opens about atoms and about how many atoms there are on you. And how those atoms have taken, you know, there's trillions of them. And if you took them and just piled them up, If you picked them off one by one, the atoms, and just made them on a pile, they would be a pile of inert nothing. But this one time, they have all come together and hung out together to make you. Yeah. One time only. Just once. This is it. This is the only time it's ever going to happen. Those atoms, some of those atoms belong to ancient people. Because they're the same atoms. Genes, genetics. Not only that, but there's only so much carbon on the earth, and we're carbon organisms. We are. That carbon has moved around. You have atoms from Shakespeare, from Nefertiti, from, you have atoms, seriously, these are statistical facts. There are enough atoms out there, and enough of us out out here, that they're in there. You have a few of them, and, and that's so sick. It's just such a great, awesome thing, and and I th- anybody anybody who stays depressed, you know, I w- that's how I try to open with it. I'm like, man, I just think we're lucky to be here. I yeah. I really, I mean, what are the odds? Yeah, we're, not to not to downplay depression because no, you're talking a, to a, a guy real thing. who's yeah, you're talking to a guy who's seen some of it. But but you know, that's what that's what got me right around that kind of thing was just constantly thinking that, you know. I, and i was you know i'm i'm an American you know that's a that's a great this is as you good the a place, lottery right there yeah right? this is as good a place as you can pick to be born yeah. you know i'm healthy I won the health lottery you know uh mm-hmm. i like i said i'm i mean just it's so amazing anyway and uh those are the kind of things that that pulled Melissa and i through that time and and all the way up to the end you know when when it finally like really just nailed itself to me that man this is this is gonna end it's gonna it's gonna it's, you know it's gonna happen when that happened like Melissa was the first one to go where I always did for her, you know she did the mm-hmm. same thing for me she's like, yeah man but but wasn't it great like dude, and we man it was we had we had as good as four or five good marriages I mean yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. which is what some of my parents tried but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it' won. but I mean, I'm not even
1: know i mean i've yeah. i've had i've had the uh i mean some of the same things, some of the darkest times of my life, like when I was going through my divorce uh-huh. and um I remember this um the night that my wife told me that she was leaving me, and uh she actually went outside to tell me like she told me through a text while sitting in the car outside mm. and then she came come in the house and she was scared to come in the house and um Like, her first thing was, like, I was just sitting there right when you would walk in the door. Mm -hmm. And she was very timid and shy about it. I
2: was like, come sit down. You want to hit me? No. I don't want to hit you. Right. I can't imagine. First of all, I can't imagine that's going to fix anything. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I want to leave you. Punch. (laughs) How do you feel now? Yeah. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it
1: better, right? Right. No. Totally fixed it.
2: Right. I mean, uh, that's outside the obvious. (laughs) But, like,
1: my thing was, is like, so... I'm not cutting it. I hate that. But, uh, I wish you'd stick it out, but if you don't, I guess I get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I hugged her, and, like, it was the like the weirdest thing to her. She's like, I thought you'd be, like, extremely angry. And I was like, I mean, we only get one shot at this thing. And I, I really did want to stick it out with yeah, you, man. for this life. Like, when I made those vows, um, I really meant it. hmm And I still do. Like, if you wasn't changing your mind right now, like uh, I'm still in it. But you don't, Mm -hmm. and that's cool. But um, let's do this transition thing. And like, even we were married for two years, right at two years, and um, like, still to this day, man, like uh, some of the memories and some of the things that we done, it was still. um, I was like, it was like two or three marriages to me. And if I never get married again, I don't care. That's the hardest. Because I I had a lot of fun with her.
2: Yeah. We had a great time, you know? That's hard to do, you know, when you're... Well, I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to do it even then. Right, right. But it is. It's such a hard thing to do. And, you know, I guess that's why not many people do it. But but you should. Yeah. You know, you really should. We saw some ugly divorces, not just in our own family, but, you know, around our friends and you know, when we were kids, and maybe that's why I never wanted that, you know, yeah. but, but I always, Melissa and I thought sometimes, and I would tell her sometimes that I would leave, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I was, oh, I was terrible about just get in the truck and drive off, yeah, you know, before cell phones, before it mattered, yeah. and uh, <laughs> now as soon as you leave, it texts you, where do you think you're going, yeah. oh, God, you better uh, come back, right, uh, but, uh, but, you know, when I... Anytime I did that, you know, as soon as, the moment I start thinking about, well, you know, we're going to have to get a divorce. Oh, my gosh, man. Divorce was just the nastiest thing. It brought out the nastiest. It can. Things in people I knew. thought, You know, you think you know or whatever, you know, but. Oh, there's a monster. I saw it, right. Where'd that come from? I saw it all around, you know, and, uh. From both sides, you know. I, I'm not a man supporter. I'm not a woman supporter. I'm a, yeah, a, a what-you-do supporter. Yeah. That's what that's what kind of supporter I am. In. That's like the... Uh, I, I love
1: this. Like, uh, when a guy breaks up with his girlfriend and you ask why, it's she's like, she was crazy. Well, what'd you do to make her crazy?
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first question. Yeah. Yeah, because I bet it wasn't nothing. Yeah. I bet it was something.
1: I bet you drove her crazy.
2: Yeah. Now... You know, I might make the argument that Melanie's crazy, and you, you know, and you might say, "Well, well, what'd you do?" You know, and yeah. I could be like, "Well, I did add fuel to the flame." Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and and again, <laughs> I'm crazy. You know, she loves me. I love her because she's passionate, yeah. but uh, that also makes me passionate. <laughs> it almost makes go. her passionate. So uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta man. Uh, again, it's just too short, man. It is. Yeah. I love you. You know, you're with a person you love, and and like I love you. You love me. Like this. Let's let's just make that work. Yeah. Like it's okay.
1: Yeah. That was that was the thing. I was like, I just want it to work. Mm. I don't care how I don't care I don't care how dirty it is right now. Let's work. All right. So we have not talked about sponsorships so far. Munson and Brothers is sponsoring this episode, and for the first time ever. They are offering 25% off. They've never done that. <gasps> off of all their products. And by the way, it doesn't matter the purchase amount. They're going to run this throughout the extent of August. August 31st or August 30th?
2: Maybe 31st. Let's go with that.
1: Cool. It ends. But if you, all caps, go to MunsonandBrothers.com. All caps, once again, type Porch Talk. You get 25% off your total purchase. That is your key word. Porch Talk all caps.
2: Wait a minute. If it's all caps, it has to be like, Porch Talk! Yeah. Porch Talk! Right. That's it. So, back to the show. So, uh, here we are at Prairie Arts Festival. We played Prairie Arts that year, and that was was pretty much the last uh, decent show we played. Before uh, before wife really got down, uh, Melissa got sick uh, uh, to the point where she uh, she had to be on pain medication all the time, mm-hmm. and she got to where she couldn't leave the house. So I was spending a lot of my time at the house. A lot of our uh, lady friends were staying with her when I would have to work or have to do this or that. Uh, our, her her uh, <laughs> sister from another mother, uh, Marnie, yeah. and. Melanie and our our buddy Melissa Duncan and uh, her uh, oh yeah our, our friend our friend Erica man yeah uh, you know Duncan
1: yeah. yeah by the way man she told me um, when she saw that you were on the podcast mm-hmm. she brought up does 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 he talk about Melissa
2: uh-huh
1: and I was like oh yeah and uh-huh. she's like I'm probably gonna have a hard time with that but I'm gonna man. listen man I because she's it. like. Uh, you don't understand. Like, uh, I dog-sitted. Yeah, man. And I spent so much time with the tubs. Yeah. And uh, this this is gonna be tough. It,
2: well, you you know you and I have talked off uh you know off the podcast off the air, about, yeah. about Melissa, and I I, I don't want to dwell on it longer than I should because uh, first of all she wouldn't want me on here crying, you know, and I will. Uh yeah. Like, wife was. I've said that before, but, I mean, she was just the greatest human, man. She loved people and supported people. And she was such a... She was so much like a guy when it came to encouraging people. She really was. She she used to joke that she was She-Ra, you know. Yeah. She was like Xena, Warrior Princess, yeah. you know. She And she really was. and And, you know, throughout her illness, you know, though she couldn't physically perform things like that, her toughness was on a level that Xena warrior princess would be envious of. Yeah, she would um, rival that. Yeah, and and you know that's one of those attributes that that a person can't help but respect. You always you know those people in your life that are just some of them are old, some of them are young, and they've been through hell. But like you know, those people who just have a mental toughness that you automatically respect because you you put yourself in that spot and you're like, I don't I, know,
1: I couldn't do that. Yeah,
2: I'm a I consider myself as tough a dude as there is. Yeah, but but I bowed to Melissa. Yeah, and she touched people. She Duncan is a good example. She uh she Melissa general managed at Harvey's for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed for him for several. years years i think she was just general manager for a year ish but uh she did that right up until her illness like took her back over in uh 2012 or 2013 but Mm -hmm. melissa duncan you know some of our some of our really close friends that i know around here john wright from the wright moves you know Uh, they all uh uh, wilson up here at zachary's um yeah a lot of these people in the downtown community worked under melissa and you know, when you work under somebody that's kind of a hard ass and is great at their job, a lot of people will occasionally not like that person. You know, there's yeah. they get a lot of that. Because some people, you know, some people don't respect that kind of thing. Some people yeah. hate on it or whatever. But ask any of them, man. They will all tell you. Tubbs, that's what they called her. You know, uh, they had several Melissa's, you know. But Tubbs was, was the king. Tubbs was the one that would help you. She was the one that would like you know would back you up, would pat you on the back. Uh, her and her and Duncan hit it off you know uh, years and years before yeah. Melissa passed. Yeah. And it was one of those bonds that just it both of them they I mean m- m- wife would have laid down her life for Duncan and and Duncan's the same way you know uh, she uh, you know uh, Duncan and uh, Melanie Marnie. Those guys were were so and and Erica too. I always forget to mention Erica because she has a husband. Uh, <laughs> I always be I always be strict. Her husband's big dude. I don't want to piss him off talking about his wife. She's she's awesome. You know that, Paul. You know it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, those like those guys. Like I always I always thought and and I still do really that they only hung out with me because of wife. Yeah. Like. Like, it took wife to explain to them, like, Shay really is a cool guy. You just yeah. got to get to know him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like they wouldn't have done that other than
1: I'll that. say this, man. Like, um it was earlier this week. It was Monday. I stopped by Elbow because Elbow is about to change hands. It's sold. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't particularly like that. Well. Because, yeah. but, but change can be bad. hmm yeah, But change can be good. Yeah and it's almost um,
2: always uncomfortable but it's it, not always
1: yeah, bad yeah right and so i'm I'm trying to deal with that and like melissa was tending the bar that night or that evening and uh i was i was asking her you know we were just talking about the podcast and she's like you've had shane on and i've been scared to listen to it mm-hmm. does he bring up melissa and i was like absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah. How could Shane talk about himself oh, without God. talking about Melissa? That's and she's like, that's going to be tough. That's it
2: great. is, you know, and it, I've had, to, you know, I've but what had i to. But what
1: I told her is like, it's worth it. Yeah,
2: it is. It, it's it's always worth you,
1: it. You you don't have the story. Yeah. Unless you capture her, and I didn't know you from Adam's house cat before you started, but yeah. Now as I get to know you, like the story from. You know your childhood and only, but like especially when you get to Columbus, mm-hmm. it's so important to that.
2: Oh, it's again. I I, I don't remember. I meant to say this if I haven't said it already. Shane Tubbs at nineteen, just days before he met Melissa, was as useless a human person as can possibly be imagined. I cannot overstate that enough. Yeah, useless, useless. It, and he, and worse, he didn't know that. He had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but because
1: you were nineteen, and knew everything.
2: Right? right. Right. And you know, and and yeah, that's the <laughs> argument I always make with myself. Well, most of it's, you know, because you were just nineteen. You know, but Melissa was twenty three when we met, and she, she, uh, I, I just don't understand how a smart lady like her could. Could possibly hang out with me, yeah. and and you know people who love me will say, well, it's because she saw something in you. But I <laughs> believe that's <clears throat> I believe that's bullcrap. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't believe there was anything in yeah. me worth having. But but I mean that has to be it. It just does. She has she must have loved my passion or my you know whatever it was. Uh, that that made her do that, but because of that, I became a decent person i don't I don't consider myself a this. great human, but I'll tell you this is uh the album you gave me i I go
1: home it's in my truck or when I bring it out of my truck to listen to it in my home mm-hmm. is I wonder after you've told me your story how good that album would have been or if that album would have ever happened never
2: no the, that, and, that's, and what, that, that's
1: the thing I go back yeah. to and I'm like
2: it's all back to the guitar man it's all back to that, that And that, that that guitar. that's where I go she bought you me the guitar you had somebody to push you why did she do that D- because she knew I'd make an album one day no no she no. didn't know that because she knew that I would even stick with it and learn to play guitar no Because she knew that I really, really wanted that. Yeah. Like I, she and I I said that I think when I told you guys about it. But she paid enough attention to what I was saying, and how often I said, "Good wife, wife." Listen, ladies, listen, (laughs) listen. Right? Because no man has listening problems. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And listen, dudes. Let me tell you something. If wife was sitting here right now, (laughs) you would not be talking. She'd be chastising us. She was great at just looking at you, really. Yeah. She uh, she had to get used to that at, during right. play rehearsal and stuff like that. Right. She'd be out in the audience, yeah, and just music too. I'd be on stage and I'd just get this eye cut from across the room. I'm like, oh, I must be doing something stupid. <laughs> I get
1: that. I get that, man. I get that. I but get
2: you know, I, I, I was uh, I was afraid that I was gonna, you know, that I would get too emotional talking about Melissa, and you know, and not be able to talk because. Seriously, I, I'll never be able to overstate it. It's, it's one of the few. I, I don't know that I could have married anybody else after Melissa passed if it hadn't been Melanie. You know, except maybe Duncan. You know, of course we're not. You know, we're we're too good buddies for that. Melanie and I didn't like each other, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of Shane's life when he said that. No, uh, but those they were people who understood wife. Yeah. And by, you know, vicariously understood me and the kind of, you know, what the depth of the feeling we had for one another, you know. Mm-hmm. And Duncan Duncan knows that, too. You know, our, I mean, anybody who who really knows me, you know, like worried about me when Melissa passed because she was. Like, she was what, what I did. Like, when she was sick enough to where she couldn't get out, she would have me go to open mic. To play, because I got to play. I got to, you, you know. You got to get out. I, Shane, you need this. You can't, you, I mean, I had been staying at home. I had been sleeping three and four hours a night. She had to have medications off and on all yeah. night. She couldn't She couldn't rest. You needed an outlet. She couldn't. And she, dude, even in her, you know, weakened state, she recognized that. And, but as soon as my set's over, I'm running straight back home, man. I can't, I, you know, I, I can't be away from her. Like, I just I couldn't stop. And uh, she, anyway, she knew that. I mean, I just had to have that few minutes, and Mm -hmm. if I didn't, it would, you know, it would have ended terribly. Yeah. Uh, But uh, we, uh, you know, short, shortly, she, uh, she got bad off right after Prairie Arts, and uh, I I started having to stay more and more. dunking, and those guys, you know, saved us. You know, they were able to help us out, so I could work six hours here and you know, eight hours there. My company was, oh man, Expresso was like so great to me, man. My bosses, they're just like, dude, take care of wife, whatever. Yeah, do what you gotta do. Yeah, man. They, Of course, they knew wife too. They probably scared of her still, but (laughs) 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 who can blame them? (laughs) Yeah. Wife was hard, man. But she, uh, we flew to Boston to try to get her some, some help from a specialist up there. And she passed while we were there. Yeah. And, uh, it uh it was of course like i knew it was coming and we me and her had talked and thank god we had because we had had a chance i i really i really probably would have just done something ignorant out of just ridiculousness but what i did instead was called her sister and was like she's down she's gonna pass you know you gotta come and her dad and them came and we uh oh mm-hmm. uh, you know we we had to let her go that night and we had to get back home and had to deal with the whole thing and all, you know, and uh those folks, man, those Erica and Duncan and Melanie and you know, her sister Natalie, like, oh gosh, she was she was so great. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that too long because I will I'll break way down. But yeah. Uh those things, like it's it's such a blur when that happens and I sat around, you know, for for days and days afterwards going like, just going to work, like, like you know, uh, forcefully, fiercely. Like, going to work and, like, throwing myself into work, leaving work. Like, calling, you know, I'd, I went out with Duncan a couple of times. I'd go, I'd drive up to Aberdeen and hang out with Kevin. I'd hang out with my friends here in Columbus, you yeah. know. Like, just feverishly staying busy. I had the dogs at home, man. You had Melissa, to keep your mind occupied. Well, it, I did, but, but I had to go home every night, you know. And, oh, gosh, it was awful. It was just the worst, and... Uh, if it like I said if it hadn't been for just every night I'd lay there and I was like man you know feeling sorry for myself and Melissa would like just ring in my head she's like well you, you're you gonna have to go on you're gonna have to find something so that's what I did I just kept going out yeah. and kept hanging out and uh, we I, uh, I hung out with Duncan and I hung out with Melanie and we went to New Orleans and saw this play and I got drunk <laughs> we had these great friends in New Orleans and they put on this play and it's just it's wonderful Tennessee Williams like three three different shows I think it was and they had one of the girls beautiful girl and she's like mostly naked during this bit Yeah, and she like comes over to me and starts trying to love on me and all this stuff and <laughs> it was just like the craziest thing and the girl walks off and I'm suddenly like I'm just suddenly sitting there and I'm like just you know to- what you know what I'm I, I there are people that care about me. I mean it really was a weird time to think about that. Yeah. But these guys, my friends Augustine and Nick, they're directors down there, they're uh uh they're uh uh they run like a Tennessee Williams uh uh play theater play thing down yeah. there. And they uh it, they're all wonderful, but this thing here was like this great burlesque thing. We sat outside at a show and anyway they They told this girl to, like, come over and purposely go to my seat. They set me right here. They, you know, they told her what I was going to look like and everything. Because she had this bit. She had this bit. She always did this bit during the show. But she always did it to just some random front row person. But it wasn't random But it was for me. And he he had her, like, put her foot right at at the seat of, you know, right where my crotch was. And she, like, leans over me. And I'm, you know, I'm just like... And she she leaves, and so there's there's a while for the play. But this was I know this seems like obscure, but it's really a moment. It really is. And but they're like that happened, and they sat down. And the first thing I thought was, "Ooh, that was hot!" <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> it is. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's ex- I mean that's how Wait, it was. How else she did was you a beautiful feel? girl. It was yeah. we were all in the moment. Yeah. Like we're in the the play, yeah. and it just happened, and it was so awesome. But I sat there thinking about those guys, man. Nick and Augustine are a couple. And uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, Augustine had directed a play a few years before that I had acted in. He got to meet Melissa, and he and Melissa loved one another, yeah. man. They were great friends. And, and they did that just, man, just to try to make me feel just a little better. Yeah. You know, and it just I was like, dude, that's so great. Like, I've got real buddies, you know, like all over the world, really. Yeah, they gave a crap, and I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna let this whoop me. I swear to God, I'm not. I'm just gonna go through, and I'm gonna be alright, and it'll be great. And dude, from that moment, like, stuff started working out. Like, I started dating Melanie, just to date, you know, Melanie, because I thought she was hot, (laughs) and she understood me, you know, and we 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 liked the same things, and she had these kids. And then things are getting serious, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to do like fatherhood, and like yeah. I've never done that, and I don't. There's four of them. I don't, there's four of them, <laughs> and yeah. and now three months in kids, might I add, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but it really is here nor there. Uh, <laughs> they're coming over tomorrow. It's great. Uh, they uh, but I, I I did that, and I would never, I would never ever have done that. If it hadn't been for just that, that Melanie was in that good place where yeah. she, she knew Melissa, she knew me, she knew like that. You're ins that and outs. She she knows that Shane Tubbs is gonna love Melissa Tubbs till the day he dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She knows that, and that's cool with her, cause she loves Melissa Tubbs until the day she dies. Yeah, and so does Duncan. And so you know. So anyway, she was one of those people, and we start dating and like. I'm a dad now. Yeah. Like, I'm a stepdad, but... Like, I'm a you're dad. You're a dad. I, I mean, that, I always like tell Dave people... Talks about people like, talks right? When people say I'm a stepdad, you know, they're like, oh, you're their stepdad. I'm like, I am their stepdad, but come try to take one of them from me. Yeah. <laughs> these are my kids. I'll give like, you some hands, though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Their daddy can come get them, but that is, that is the last son of a gun who's yeah. fixing to come get them, because these are my... Man, I love these kids, and... I, I, mean, I, I think to myself like, you know, you. I wouldn't even considered of trying to replace Melissa. I would never have thought that when right. I married M- Melanie. That was the last thought in my mind was I'm going to replace Melissa. But right. what I found out after, you know, now that the kids have gotten used to me and that we can we can be not uncomfortable amongst one another, and that's all four of us. The older kids were out of the house by then, and so it was a little tougher for us. during in college. And it's taken us a little longer to kind of catch on, I yeah. think than it did the two who had to look at me every day, yeah, but- like I never you know I never would have did that on my own, but i like I replaced Melissa with like kids and you know and new family and like everything I could, that's yeah. what I replaced her, like I replaced her with like you know with a baby girl, and man. Oh my gosh! I'm so I, I went on and on about Dave last time, you know, and now yeah. Dave's all full of himself, you know. So, <laughs> but but baby girl, you know, deserves her place in the echelion of greatness. <laughs> she, you know, like I, I don't. I mean, it's just so amazingly different. And to, but at the same time, like I love her as much as I love Melissa. Yeah. Like it, and like. I think about Melissa when I'm trying to teach her stuff. I'm like, you're not. I'm, I'm thinking this to myself. I wouldn't tell her this. Of course, now she'll know. But, <laughs> I, but I think to myself, I'm like, Melissa wouldn't think that was cool, and so you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> like, yes. That's how I plan, <laughs> like, like raising the daughters. You know, yeah. like I, occasionally I ask Melanie, but you know what does she know? She's just their mother. Yeah. But <laughs> She had her chance to teach yeah. them. It's my turn. Yeah, now now. it's my turn. Right. But that's, that's what had to happen, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that on my own. Yeah. I just wouldn't have. And uh, and all back to that, you know, Melissa and I used to joke about, who are we going to find to take on Melanie and all these kids? <laughs> and lo and behold. Who are we going to? Nobody in their right mind. Is gonna date some girl. I don't care how cute her butt is. It doesn't matter. Like, there's four of them. Yeah. That's a handful, right? Many of them are free thinkers. (laughs) Many of them try to think for themselves. Yeah, good luck. A couple of them don't. But (laughs) I'm not naming any names. But, uh, so now, yeah, so now, full disclaimer Caroline is the greatest baby girl of all time. There you go. I have not met Caroline. Yeah. I know, so you can't even back me up. I can't, but, I can't do anything But, like you know.
1: <laughs> I can back you up on Dave all day.
2: I mean, You know what? Let me tell you about Dave. Dave's the reason we're having this conversation. Because Dave's been walking around lately with a snippet from our first podcast. So he can play it for Caroline occasionally. Oh. And he'll just hold it up to her ear and go, Dave's such a great guy. He's funny and wonderful or whatever crap I said, you know, ah. about him. And he'll just play it for her. He's like. He didn't say much about you, oh. and then it just walks off. <sighs> We're
1: rectifying that
2: tonight, Dave. Right? Because yes, Dave is still great, but it doesn't. You right. ate the bee's
1: knees, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're taking second fiddle tonight, yeah, bro. You're second fiddle. Yes, you don't. Don't get me started on Dave. He still love yeah, you, yeah, right? He's all right. He's, he's fine. But. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so you know we uh uh. Melanie and I started dating, you know. We yeah. uh, we eventually... We flew to Vegas and got married because Type. I jokingly said we should go to Vegas, you know, and just do it. And the longer we talked about it, like we were like, nobody ever actually does that. They yeah. say they're going to do that. Yeah. But who do we know that did that? Then later we found out we knew like 10 people that had done it. But... <laughs> so it wasn't as original as you thought. Right. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. Uh, but I, uh, I was nervous, you know, obviously. Uh, but... I've been, I told the kids when we all sat down for our first family meeting that I've been in this spot before, in their spots. Mm. You know, I, I've had step-parents, and I've seen new boyfriends and new girlfriends, you know, for dad. And, and like, I always, uh, that was usually uncomfortable as a kid. For, yeah. For, at least in some small way. It always and, was for me. And
1: we tried. Because it always felt like a... Oh, you're trying to be my dad. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. trying to be my mother. Right, right. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. And I'm not going to give you any slack, by the way. Yeah.
2: I try to be, with, and seriously, like, I, it, the, our relationship is not a whole lot different than it would have been if we just spent as much time. You know, while Melissa was living, I treat the kids like they're my little brothers and my little sisters. You know, that's how I teach them stuff. Yeah. You know, they're none of them are babies anymore. You know, Carolina's the youngest one; she's fourteen, uh, yeah. and you know, Dave's seventeen. He's a man child. He's bigger than me, but he still occasionally, you know, we'll get, uh, you know, we'll get a little irritated about his socks yeah, not being a- clean or something weird. <laughs>
1: And he's accomplished a lot of his height. Hey,
2: he, he had... Yeah. Oh, he's, he's no longer vertically challenged. Woohoo! Yeah. He's still a short person. That's why I always... It's, it's a fun thing to say. <laughs> he's been short people since I met him. So uh, I'm not changing that. He's The rule is he has to beat me up before I stop telling him that. And he's too nice a guy to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm the winner. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the two older girls are in uh, college. And um, they... That, like I said, we we haven't had as much time to hang out, you know, as me and the younger kids have. But when you're when you're in the situation they were in, I think what becomes it just becomes a norm for mom to have a boyfriend occasionally, you know, or something like sure. that. So now that it's been a couple of years, it's natural, you yeah. know, or as natural as it can be, you know. Uh, yes. Everybody calls me Shane. Nobody is required to call me Dad or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but. You know, when Caroline wants something, she's like, Daddy! You know. <laughs> when Dave wants something. She'll pull that car. Yeah, oh, Dave will pull it too, you know. Uh, but uh, the older girls are, uh, I mean, they're just... A little more independent, right? Well, they're very independent. You know, uh, Catherine was running the house, the, the, the 19-year-old. I think she's, she might be 20 now. Uh, the second oldest. she's uh uh She ran the household when Melanie and I first got married. So, like, she would... Like, tell the kids to sit down and eat, move the younger kids in doing dishes, bath times. Oh, like, wow. Like, I did not mess with her, really. Like, I just kind of let her do whatever she wanted because uh, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. and uh, She had the job down. Julia's the oldest. Uh, she's uh, she's getting ready. I think this will be her last year in college. And uh, she's a missionary. She's a theater seamstress. She's incredibly accomplished young woman already. Well, and, and Catherine is too, the second oldest. You know, they both are, I told you, the one is in uh, Maine doing.
1: Now, is that Catherine? Or... That's
2: Catherine, okay. yeah. Uh, she's okay. in Maine doing camp counseling. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say that uh, Julia, I'll just say Africa. Julia's in Africa uh, doing, a, uh, doing missionary work. Sure. She was, I'm pretty sure she was in Africa last year. She was in Asia before that. Maybe it was Asia again last year. It's starting to run together, I'll be honest with you. It's yeah, been she's like, just all over yeah, the place. It's every year she does that. She loves Jesus and she wants to tell the world about him. And Go for um, it, girl. And dude, do they, it. she's uh she's over there right now, you, you know, helping out with uh uh I think she's working at a school or something, but helping with visits and like kind of social worker type stuff. But uh they can do whatever they want, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, any one of these four kids—they're—they're they're way smarter than I was. They're way like more educated than the sum of their parts. Like both their parents are smart, Melanie and their dad both are college educated, and uh, and I'm sure that they're smarter than both of them. Uh, they're they're good kids, and and it's—I'm telling you, man, it's meant it's meant my salvation. Like it really has made made me like you know, giving me a whole new perspective Absolutely, man. on what uh you know, on what I want to happen in my life and yeah. Uh I, this is it. Like <laughs> this is what I want to happen. I want to hang out with Dave and Care and Julia and Catherine and yeah. uh, I,
1: I don't know the ins and outs of Dave, but uh from what I know of Dave, um I was a total shithead when I was a teenager. Like I was more of a Shane Tubbs type.
2: Mhm. Okay.
1: And, uh, That's like, fair. That's perfectly. <laughs> like, I'm not not calling you that. No, no. Please like, do. <laughs> I, I, was, I was probably a worse version. Let's keep it accurate. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> but But uh, when I when I met Dave over at Juva, and I was like, if I would have been you when I was a teenager, I wonder all the things I would have yeah, done. Man.
2: Isn't it a good question? It, it you know, like you said, you know, no Melissa. You know what happens to Shane? Uh, well, I can tell you what happens to Shane. Shane ends up on meth or Shane ends up in in three or four different bad marriages and with two or three illegitimate kids, you know, and yeah. like and and you know what? Ask anybody. Ask anybody that knew that guy. They'll tell you that's part of the reason why I wanted to mention that on this podcast is because I know there's a lot of people listening right now going, "I knew him back when he was a piece of shit." Well, I knew him back then, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Same thing, man. Like, uh, even with my ex-wife, and I said it on the previous podcast, it's like, she is still, to this day, even though she left, she is still one of the best things that ever happened to me. Dude! Right? Right. Because I was a shithead when she met me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a better shithead, even though she left me.
2: Don't you not that it's happened to me, but I've seen this happen with friends of mine before and it's always amazing to me that a woman can take a man and make him into a better man. Yeah. And and I, you don't see as many examples of that in reverse. You see it, you know. But it's you rare. Yeah, it seems like it happens more that a woman can fix a man and can make a man great. Yeah. But why is it that they often leave the guy right after they've made him something? You know, he's successful in his business now. Yeah. He's... Maybe he's losing a little hair or something, you know. But he's been Put on, his, putting on a little weight. I'm his friend. Yeah. You know, here I am, and they don't know this, but I'm his friend, and I know good and well that women throw themselves at him very occasionally, and he's having none of it. He's a married yeah. man, and he's devoted to you. Yeah. And and then it just like I said, it happens with you know, it happens in reverse too. It goes both but, ways. Uh, but but yeah, it's I, I've never understood that. Like yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa would have never ran me off. Like, Melissa, was, would've, she would have told you straight up. I, in fact, Melanie will tell you straight up that if it hadn't been for Melissa, I probably wouldn't have been far enough along for her to marry me. Like, <laughs> like she praises the Lord every day for Melissa making me into a serviceable human so that I would be a good daddy. <laughs> because, you know, she's not confident I would have made it without her. And she's right. She is. There you go, I wrote, I, I did, I hit uh, I hit a dark place, uh, talking about, you know, kind of swinging back to that. I hit a dark place with, at the end of, you know, at the end of my writing for the first album. And our second album, I let that overtake it. But I felt, I, I just let that happen. I just felt like I had to get out all of the negative that I've really had yeah. from from Melissa Passon. And when we, uh, like, as soon as we got done with it, I was a happier person. Like I got it. I said what I wanted to say, and I uh, and I, you know, I. We put it out at the, towards the end of 2017, and Melissa hadn't. Uh, it was on the. We named the album Odds of October" as kind of a nod to the fact that wife had passed on the 15th of October, and uh, so we put it out then. You know, a year yeah. later, and uh, even though it was a year later, it was still rushed. Like it, it, it still. And and I'm glad. Yeah. Like I'm glad we didn't draw it out. We just put it out there and put it out. A couple of happy songs made it out of it because towards the end of it, I just I just felt like I had to do something, and it it really turned out to be like a, a body of work that we uh, that we pull from as much as we did the first album. Yeah. Despite the feelings that we had about it at the time, because the guys were the same way. Ed and Shonda loved Melissa like they were her Mm. own family, you know. And uh, they, you know, they, I I wouldn't say they were as devastated, but it was only marginally less. I mean, they felt, she was our head groupie. (laughs) She was, I mean, she was a member of the band. She was. And uh, when, you know, we all had to do that. We all just had to get it out. The guys did, partly it helped them, you know, they felt like they were doing something for Shane. They, I'm helping Shane get over it by yeah. getting this out and there's some, you know, there's some not not as bad maybe as Gone is even, you know, but there's some really depressing songs on the Ides of October that, uh, that I, I pro- that we haven't performed since then. There's two or three songs on there that I have, you know, they're my songs You just don't play, and I'm not, it's not that I'm not proud of them. I just, Gone is that song too. I haven't played that song live since Melissa passed and I may never, you yeah. know, unless somebody begs me to. But, uh, but it's you know it it was my way of telling her you know it was it was really a statement to her I don't care what the world thinks about yeah. you know about that I could give I could give two craps less but I I wanted her to know like on some level like you know how serious this is to me and she yeah. knew me well enough to know I wouldn't actually kill myself I wouldn't you know because the I kind of lean towards that in the song you know but it also very clearly stated how bad off i would feel and uh and when we when we got done with the ads, you know i did i just was able to finally step back and survey again and and remember that it's amazing to just be alive at all and and i got to spend you know 16 years with somebody i might not have had the opportunity to spend 5 minutes with same thing man. yeah and uh and i'll just you know i'll take that
1: yeah uh, i will I know even, even in my own songwriting, like uh, after Henny left, uh, that was really the most expressive and creative time, and still to this day, mm-hmm. it's been like three years. I've never been so creative, and I've never been so expressive in my whole life. And I remember, um, it was like three months after, I um, was doing a whole lot of writing and was doing a whole lot of expressive ideas, not sharing it, but just writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, still to this day, I haven't shared them with a single soul. Mm-hmm. But to me, personally, still some of my favorite works, and I still play them personally. And, man, it, it goes like these songs were written when I was crying, balled up in the bathroom floor. Yeah,
2: man. I finished, uh, I finished Gone on a Sunday morning. I—it's uh, one of those weird pivotal moments. But yeah. Melissa was; she always slept till about ten, and she was still in okay shape then. And I don't know why I decided to pick it up and finish it. I'd started it a couple of weeks before, and I'd picked it up to finish it. And I had—I'd only done the first verse, and yeah. uh, so I wrote the chorus. And when I wrote the chorus. Uh, <clears throat> such that it is it's it's just a few word chorus but when i when i did that i was like okay let's get this next verse knocked out and at some point during the that's right in the second verse which came out really easily mm-hmm. i realized that i i i realized the end of the song like what was going to happen with it and i got chills and it was the first time that it happened to me with songwriting like i i got this wash over me that yeah this is right this yeah. is exactly how I wanted to say it. And this is exactly what I wanted to say. And it's the... Uh, uh, I've had moments. It's the
1: moments.
2: It's the last verse of the song. And it says uh, his... And, and, you know, I mentioned Bubba, my brother. And he was the only constant in my childhood. And, and Bubba, you know, loves me like as fiercely as, as he could love anybody. He's a very mean yet emotional guy. And Bubba's emotions have always... A mean uh, teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. And when, when it, from being a little kid, when he was emotional, I automatically got emotional. He was my little brother, you know, and even yeah. though he's bigger than me, but I I just always felt that. So anyway, the last line, the last verse of the song says, his brother came by a month for, to the day to see how he's getting on, and he finds him dead is what, is what it is. And, of course, I'm thinking about my brother. And my brother, you know, of course came to see me a lot after Melissa passed, but I knew that's what would happen, you know, and so I thought of that, you know, but when I, I I mean, I wrote the last little bit, I wrote that, and I just burst into tears. Mm. It just suddenly washed over me that one day soon, she's going to go, and you're going to have that to deal with, you know and all that time later when we were doing ads that's what I kept thinking about yeah. I'm like here this, I'm at that time that we all knew was coming you know and and this is what we're going to have to do to get through it and I I did I did the same thing writing songs for ads I would sit there and tear up and just I wrote all of them by myself like you said you know just in a you know in a back room somewhere where nobody could see what i was doing and everything and i would just stop and ball sometimes and just go back to it and stop and you know i couldn't i can't sing when i'm doing that so like i'm trying to figure out the rhymes and it just wouldn't work but but again it it you know it just meant that much to me i had to get it out like that
1: so now moving on and we're going to talk a little bit about acting
2: so. <laughs> so. So we finished ads in 2017. And um uh I, uh I still hadn't acted. I wa I had, before Melissa passed, I was I acted every year, sometimes a couple of times a year, and I'd done that for 6 or 7 years. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that that helped me with that was running lines and Melissa was very pivotal in that and you know in hindsight it makes perfect sense to me but at the time I didn't realize but I was kind of dodging it I was kind of I would hear about a role I would hear about a play going on and I was like ah I don't have time I would I just wouldn't make time I really wouldn't yeah. and uh we uh we have a friend uh uh this, a director friend of ours she's kind of She's in the mix of when Melissa and I met Melanie and uh, how all that came to be. Her name's Paula Mabry. She's a, a theater lady up from over in, uh, <laughs> she's going to be, she, she has degrees and I've referred to her as a theater lady. <laughs> she's, a, I,
1: she's a doctor of But
2: l- luckily for me, she knows me. So she knows that I mean that with the greatest love and respect. <laughs> uh but she loved Melissa, you know, as I said, Melissa always showed up to our rehearsals, I think I acted under Paula twice uh, while Melissa was living, and uh, she uh, she's a great friend of ours, she's yeah. a wonderful lady, her husband passed a couple of years, a few years back, and uh, Mr. Don, he was a great guy, man, he, uh, he was always so magnanimous to us about our shows, and just a super cool guy, and... Anyway, because of because I knew that about Miss Paula and everything, she came to me one day. Uh, we saw a play in Starkville in 2018. Uh, and she was like, you haven't been acting lately. And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I've been noticing you had not been acting lately. I need, like, <laughs> I need you to act, all right? It's time she, to get back in the game. No, 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 no. She went... She went that lovable lady move on you. Where they go, they look at you deeply, and they're like, "You know how wonderfully talented you are." Oh, and you know what a blessing it is to be able to act and have so much fun doing it, like you do. And I'm like, I do. I yes feel now. like you making eye contact with me and saying
1: that right now. It almost makes me want to act, dude. <laughs>
2: It's, you know, and I guess when you're a director, you can see that, but I do, I love acting. Like, acting is so fun, and it's much like the album. It's one of those things that is still surreal to me. That I get to do. Yeah. Like, I wasn't in plays in school. Yeah. So, I didn't, like, I didn't come out of high school. Everybody's dream is to act, but I didn't come yeah, out of high school. Yeah, you all want to be a big rock star and actor. Yeah, I didn't come out with the idea that, you know, I'm on my way. If, if Here if we somebody, go. As soon as somebody hears my Jim Carrey impersonation, I'll be right in there. Like, I never, I never thought Don't that. you go dying on me. Right, right. <laughs> but now, like, you know, now I act, and... By you know by our community theater standards, I don't suck <laughs> and 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 Paula, like like I said she just she she knows that about me. she's seen me on stage angry at myself because I'm sucking like during rehearsal, you know, and like yeah. she's heard me yell at myself and and you know she just knows she knew that about me, and uh and she when she said that to me, like I couldn't get that out of my mind like weeks and weeks later, I'm still like you know she's right, man, like, you've just been dodging this, and and I had been, so uh, Melanie and I um, were getting ready to go for my birthday, we took a little trip uh, yeah. towards the end of that, uh, late, you know, a few months later, and uh, they're doing Schoolhouse Rock for the W, and for some reason they put out open auditions, I, I assume often they don't let just anybody act in it, but yeah. uh, they... Uh, the play is about is about this guy who's a teacher and he's getting ready to, for his first day of school and then like he has all these hallucinated students that come and like do schoolhouse rock songs and it's a big you know it's a great show yeah and uh but I still to this day am convinced they just needed an old guy so they took me uh because you know so it's got to be an old guy for the teacher right you know yeah. and these are all what I, who who they would hate me for saying this but they're all kids. They're all college kids. They're, you know, they're all in their early twenties. And... Uh, I,
1: I think that I think that pisses people off today is like when I refer to people like at Juva, uh huh, like they're in. Uh, yeah, they're kids, they're, but they are mid college years. You know, they're yeah they're in their late teens or early twenties, and I, I still call them kid. And they're right. like, I'm not a kid, and I was like, you're a kid.
2: Yeah, well, that's a that's a historical argument. I'm pretty you're... sure, like in medieval times that the conversation went similarly. Yeah. There was a 30-year-old like, night, and he, he was like, you 19-year-old, you're a kid. Yeah. And then there was some 60-year-old night, and he was like, hey, 30-year-old, you're a kid. And yeah. we get the same thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I still
1: get the same yeah. thing, and I'm almost 30. I'm but, 40. Okay. But like, when I talk to these guys, I was like, look, you're so full of shit. <laughs> <Right?
2: laughs> yeah. don't. They don't know. that. First of all, <laughs> You know what makes me mad? I'm going to go on a rant. Fine. Go. (laughs) Fine. You made me do it. These kids these days. Okay. Okay. These kids these days have read Harry Potter. Yes. They have read it. And they know that Dumbledore is the smartest human to ever speak in a literary novel. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I'm not going to (laughs) argue. I know that. I've I've read it. Right. It's Dumbledore. Dumbledore has this great quote. And, uh, in Order of the Phoenix, I could probably quote you the verse, but I won't. And <laughs> he's, te- he's talking to Harry about like the things that he failed to tell Harry. And he's like, old men are wrong if they forget what it's like to be a kid. A kid has no way of knowing how you and I feel, Alan. They don't. Okay. But uh, uh, we are wrong if we forget what it's like to be 18. And what those pressures are like, and what that lack of knowledge does to you, when you have developed so much knowledge over time, you know, sure. it's a it, it's difficult for them to understand. But we as adults, we should get it by the time we're thirty. But certainly by I'm forty now, I get it. it I think that's what makes me an okay stepdad. You know, is because when Dave's having trouble, when Caroline's having trouble, when yeah. somebody's having problems, like I don't just automatically go well. Common sense and tell you, you know, you yeah. need to do this. I try to remember what those pressures were. Yeah, You know, what... The fact that this stupid chick that you're talking to, or this stupid guy you're talking to, that you believe that this is the one and only human oh, yeah. you're ever gonna love, he's the one, and and, <laughs> and you can't understand the fact that every adult person that you've ever talked to tells you they're not the one. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell by looking at you. They're absolutely <laughs> all stuck <laughs> <soaked together. laughs> Right, they're absolutely not the one. But you know what? They didn't listen either. I didn't listen either. Right. My dad, I his didn't. dad, yeah. all the way down the line. <laughs> yeah. I have some great-grandparents that got married at 16 and 15 years old. I'm pretty sure there was somebody there that was like, you guys are idiots, you're not going to make it. And you know what happened? They were married for like 70 years. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm telling you this, Like
1: one of my fav- favorite stories, um, this is Martin Luther. Um, I love... I love, uh, like, looking back on Christian people who, uh, these are theologists. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And they were, it was some of his peers, actually, I think it was the guy that was under him. It was um, his mentee. Mm -hmm. It was talking to him about marriage. And he said, um, point me a girl out in the crowd right now, and I'll marry her. And we'll be together for the rest of our lives. And just so happened to be a nun. Mm-hmm. But on the spot, they got married, mm-hmm. and they spent the rest of their life together.
2: Really? And this is Martin Luther that did the marrying?
1: This is 95 yeah. Theses, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so that that is my thing on love, mm-hmm. is like when I'm talking to people younger than me, or even people my age or people older or like when I'm talking to myself because I'm still trying to figure out this thing Dude, called love. Right. Is this is what I found about love is it takes two parties. Yes, sir. And we both have to try and we both have to believe and we both have to love each other every single day. Mm-hmm. And in the the moment we're like, I'm done with this guy. I'm done with this girl. no, 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 no. You got to keep giving. Right. Especially if you got married and made the vow. That's right. It's like, it's every day. It's a trench, man. It's not easy. Yeah. This is not an easy thing. Love, relationships, it's not easy.
2: Melanie says it's a war zone. (laughs) And it is. One of my favorite authors is Elizabeth Peters, and she says that a perfect marriage should be. Like a mutual truce between two equally powered armies. Yeah, it should be like, like Russia. And... It's just they're just staring at each other, and they're like, "We, I know we could destroy each other, but that's what would happen. We would destroy yeah. each other. But we're gonna love and each so, other." So, so if we, you know, it's like mutually assured destruction. Yeah. we're not gonna do that. We're it's almost like making it.
1: a truce every day. Yeah, but and that was the most beautiful image of marriage because like I believe this to this day. If like I was to go out, and if I was out with a friend and be like,
2: date her. Mm.
1: and if she was willing to date...
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, sadly in Martin Luther's time, old girl probably didn't even have a choice. <laughs> exactly. exactly. They were probably like, you're so, getting married, and, and she was like, oh, crap. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I'll do it. My but, bad, yeah. But,
1: like, if that was the case today, I'd give it a shot.
2: Yeah, well, and, and again, you it's, know... It's, those... and,
1: and that's the thing about commitment, right? Yeah.
2: Those grandparents, you know, people are like, oh, well, they were, you know, they come from a different... No, they come from a time where... You had to do that like yeah. this is this is how we built this life, and we're not going to make it without each other mm-hmm. you know, and that's again, you know uh Melanie and I have we we've begun to feel that way about one another, you know i don't know I don't know that I would have made it you know with and kept my job and not messed my music up and not started taking drugs or started drinking too much, you know after a wife passed like all of those things were a possibility. All of those things are part of my family history. All of those things are part of my history on some level or sure. another, you know. And uh, some of that, is, I was saved some of that by fear of that. You know, I remembered that about myself. And I'm like, I'm not going to the bar every night. You know, while I'm depressed, I'm not going to hang out with this guy because I know he does weird drugs, and I'm not gonna. It's gonna put me in a bad right. spot. Right? Yeah, I may hang out with the guy who smokes weed. I might do that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you know. Uh, but those, you know, we uh, we work together, and we and we work together. You know what I mean? Like we had we had stuff that we each needed, and we had a, a basis of love and respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't it's hard for me to understand how you can separate if you have love and respect. I mean like you you have to lose one or the other at some yeah. point. People say you can you can't fall out of love or you never really love that person. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but a person would have to ch- Melanie would have to change an incredible amount for me to lose respect for it, you yeah. know? For me to say to myself, I I don't love this person anymore because of who they've become, yeah. like it would have to be a ridiculous amount of change, you know yeah and and it it doesn't seem reasonable that that would yeah. happen
1: <laughs> i mean not even not even romantically, but just meeting people just to have on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've drove as far as Memphis to have a person on the podcast. I didn't know him from Adams House cat, yeah, when I got there, could it be a natural disaster sure, absolutely it could yeah yeah, was it no.
2: We like adventure, man. Yeah. That's what we do.
1: Yeah. And so, like, that's the thing is, like, when I got up to Memphis, it's like, I've already put the time in to drive. Now, you got to put the time in to give me time. Mm-hmm. And we both met right there. And that is what a relationship is. Yeah. That's how you build a friendship. That's how you build a romantic relationship. It's like, it's giving time and putting time in each other Daily. And for the podcast, me and you right now, I mean, it's only like an hour, two, three hours. Mm. That's all we have to give each other. Yeah. I only have to like you for that amount of time. Right, right. I, I like you way more than that. I understand
2: but, what you mean. Though. But, yeah, but yeah. That,
1: that's the amount of time I have to give to you. That's the amount of right. that's the amount of. Respect. But we've agreed
2: on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't show up here and be like, yeah. all right, screw you. I don't care what you want to do. Yeah. I want to talk about okay, this. Okay. I'm
1: totally going to bash everything you've ever done.
2: Right, right. I don't yeah. even like Munson. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love Munson. I love yeah. him
1: yeah and same with Munson, like giving us the the space to record yeah right we have to give faith we have to give love we have to give respect
2: that's something that uh this new father job has taught me is about like is about who i it's funny who when you don't have kids like you have a different uh like set of standards about other people Than you do when you have kids. Like, I have a couple, and I call them kids. I hope I'm not irritating them with that. But, (laughs) but they're, you know, I have two young guys, young kids, and that, like, my best friend Petters is probably not a role model by anybody's standards, you know. Yeah. But Petters would never show up to the house and and act a fool or say things that he knows for a fact I wouldn't want said in front of the kids. Sure. Now, he and I talk like mechanics and like ex-roofers because that's what we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we're out fishing and the kids are with us, we might slip up a time or two with some of the language. Absolutely. We try not to, but it happens, you know. But that's not what I mean. But, you know, Munson... Ryan and his wife like they trust their kids to come and come to our house, and they they have before I got there, but it wasn't long after they trusted Melanie enough to leave the kids with me, you, you know, to leave have me there. Yeah. But over time, like we've developed a respect between one another to where I could just go and get the kids. Yeah, they know I love those kids like they're my own, and that if there's a choice between one of these kids getting hurt or me dying, I mean, hurt to dying. I will die. These kids are, they're like mine. I love those little short people. They're jerks. I don't know why I like them, but there they, there, it is. But, but you know, I also, like that makes me respect Ryan because I realized that what, you know, what trust he must have in me and, and you know, what that means to him. Like yeah. I know what children mean to him now and like, Anyway, it's it's one of those... I mean,
1: same thing. Like, Think about this concept. is like uh, In a couple of weeks, um, Ryan won't even be there. I will be taking Munson and Brothers out to do some of these shows mm-hmm. without him completely. Yeah. It'll be me. Yeah. And I am representing Munson and Brothers.
2: Right, right. How Shane be- Tubbs' band is not going to play without me. Like that's that's not going to happen. Right? So that would be like that. Like that's somebody exactly else take like my that. band and go play Th- That's somewhere.
1: the equivalent of yes. someone taking porch talk out without me. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Me and Ryan doing porch talk while you're not here. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right.
1: that's not a thing.
2: Yeah. And and, and so, but like you said him, so when it does happen
1: for him to give that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take it to I'm going to take it to the level that he wants. And that's why And he, then I'm going to rise above it. And that's why I gave it to you
2: because he knows that yeah <laughs> and I'm, not, that's, I'm yeah. not gonna screw this up right and and I'm the, the you know it's a uh, it has like I said it's really given me a new respect for parents in general you know but especially my closer you know your closer oh, circle. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of buddies like that, that over the years have let their kids come and just hang out with Melissa and I, I told you, you know, we would go to the movies or my nephew would be down, we'd go to the water park, we'd sure. take other kids with us and stuff like that. And these folks allowed their kids to go with us and I didn't have the like appreciation for what that meant, you know, at the time, like I do now, like, cause <laughs> cause somebody's like, Hey, we're going to take Carolina. And I'm like, what, where y'all going? Uh, what are you gonna be doing? Who's gonna be there? Am yeah. I going? Cause she went to New York last summer, and uh, I flew up there. I couldn't take it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I was like, I watch Elementary. It's based in New York. There's mad murders <laughs> every week. There's a serial killer or yeah. an abuser or something. I can't. Yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Absolutely. I just wanted to go to New York, but <laughs> a little bit both. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Yes, what is? Have I plugged Caroline? She's on the list. Okay, good. Yeah. So I took this uh, schoolhouse rock job, and uh, I uh, that was in that was earlier this year. Um, I remembered at some point during it, like how much fun pretending to be somebody else is. Yeah. (laughs) And work. You know, the the thing about acting is is that it's hard. It's like football was. It's like baseball. I think I attributed it no, that, acting's to that harder, earlier man.
1: before. Acting's harder.
2: Well, I agree. I, I agree on that. Way level, harder. But I, you know, a lot of people don't act. And it, but if you've ever played football, you know what it's like to work to do two a days. When I played ball at Bibb County, we did two a days for two weeks. We started summer workouts like in June, and we did summer workouts all yeah. through June. You got training and, and then we started the two a days in August, and we did man. We had to be there at like 6:30 in the morning and had to be back. We practiced till 10, had to be back at 2, practiced until 6. It was the worst experience of my life. It was so bad yeah. physically. And uh but but you play that game, you know, Friday night and you're in shape, your plays run the way they're supposed to, you put in the time, you put in the yeah. effort and it works out. And acting is is so much like that. You work together. You begin to appreciate, though you know, however you might feel about this or that person's acting ability. And I, even my layman butt, has been guilty of looking at other people and being like, "Dude, you suck!" Like as an actor, really. I see that on but, TV a lot. Personally. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you do, but but you you know, again, you work in a play, especially like Schoolhouse Rock. It's a musical. There's singing. There's choreography. Mm-hmm. Then there's acting. Yeah, you know you're there's a lot going in, in your positioning it was it was way more than I was ready for <laughs> like I didn't realize I had no idea that yeah. I was about to hate life for like two months <laughs> oh gosh it was the worst it was so bad man it was so much work but these other these kids are doing the work too you yeah know? first of all I'm 40 I'm trying to hold up for my manhood I'm like all right i am like alright we're I, we old guys. We got it. We're fine. I yep. can we can make it. Uh, but these you know these other guys are working. Some one of the ladies got injured like a couple of nights before you know, a couple of nights into show and had to play injured. You know like it's it, you know all kinds of stuff happened. But you get to that point and everybody on that stage when we're doing those live shows like everybody's been here. Nobody's been missing rehearsals. Yeah. Everybody's been putting in their time. Everybody yeah. has worked to tears spent late nights, you know. We've all done it and now here we are. Like we're we're at that point and man there's
1: it just people who never have acted or played in a play or they don't know anything about that. But there is so much that goes into it. It's... There's there's so much time at home spent rehearsing and memorizing and getting somebody to be the other person. Yeah. To get you to where you wanna you gotta have that line and you have to have a person who loves you enough to be like you sucked at that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And
1: you have to read that line over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's rehearsed, man. Like yeah. acting's a lot.
2: Yeah. And you have to be somebody else. You know, there are so many <clears throat> uh stage work in general is like that. Comedy. People don't think about com- people think comedy is writing jokes. But No, comedy's not when when you, that. At all. When you yeah, writing jokes is the least of it. Yeah, that's the easiest part. Right? Yeah. Performing a joke, timing, saying the right thing, the punchline. Yes, your body language. There's so much rehearsal that goes into that kind of stuff. Music is the same way. Music, you know, and it's one of those things. If you don't do it, you feel like people don't respect it because, and they don't. They, yeah. It's like the. It's like Dumbledore said. They can't. They can't understand what it's like for me to have started playing guitar at 20 and literally spent like six years. Just learning to play because I wanted to learn to play. No idea that this was going to happen, that I was going to be here. But I just want to play guitar. I just want, you know, that's just what I want to do. Yeah. And,
1: And like just from my little amount of experience from playing guitar, if I were to have you on the show, would the episode be as good without me understanding the struggles behind putting the time in to learn how to play the instrument? Yeah. And on top of that how hard it is to learn how to play and sing at the same time.
2: Yeah. Shonda thinks I'm a superhero because we do a couple of blues songs where I play the harmonica too. And I don't, you know, obviously I can't sing and play harmonica at the same time, but I play harmonica during the off licks and stuff like that. And it's, it, it, well, Dude, prom, I promise you, it's not really that difficult, but it is a portion of my memory. I have to remember to go, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And then, really the, okay, the I got to get on that, that six... Yeah. Yeah. But Shonda, <laughs> so that's still only three things. Shonda has to do four. She's got she's got two feet and two hands, and she's got to have her hands going yeah, on. I don't, I
1: don't. understand drummers, it, man.
2: Me neither. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't understand, understand any of them. I don't understand bass players. I don't understand how you can like make, you know, make up like a rhythm with Ed. is so amazing with just adding a scale into a rhythm and making it work. With the, with the, li- I, I just, like, he understands music in a way that I can't because I don't play one note at a time, you know, or, or yeah. a couple of notes at a time, but Ed can build, Ed knows the math, you know what I mean? He knows yeah. the math of the music. theory and, behind and, it. Yeah, Maybe and I don't, it. and, and, and I don't know that, but between the two of us, like, he can teach me that, and mm-hmm. I can teach him this, Absolutely, and, you know, uh, our, uh, we got done with the play, and, um. I did all that rehearsing and all that work and all that stuff, and all I could think about the whole time was I want to play, I can't wait to get back to playing. I can't wait to get back to playing music. I can't be- wait to get back with the guys. And so, as soon as uh, actually, it, even during the latter part of the rehearsals, like the last uh, week or so, mm-hmm. when I was no longer having to memorize lines, yeah. I started. I started like getting together what songs I had been writing in the interim, and starting to try to build an idea about what I wanted to do for our next album. Because, I, during the acting process, I, I decided that I want to put that kind of work. Into like writing, into into writing an album, and to us putting together an album, and just see if I can recreate that theater feel by the way we're doing the album, you know. So we decided to do a live album, you know. So that means we're going to uh, have to, and we've started on this already, but we're going to have to rehearse each song to the point of of irritation, near perfection. Yeah, right. Uh, As Kevin Wade always says, we're going to have to not only you don't practice it until you get it right. You practice it until you can't get it wrong, uh, and that's what we're gonna have to do.
1: And that is stupid, man. Yeah, like even with, like with this equipment right here I have, mm-hmm. and like when it's just me in my little bedroom studio. Yeah, and I'm recording a song, and like some, especially during the early days, like when I was first doing the podcast, and it's like the podcast is a day or two late. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because I was trying to put the song on the end,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. Right,
2: right. Yeah, it's one of the many, and, many reasons why you need a producer. And I, <laughs> and
1: I have sung the song 80 times. Yeah. And that is one of the main reasons why I became a better producer
2: huh? and yes, editor.
1: Sir. It's like I've learned how to, like, okay, I'm not going to play this song 90 times anymore. Right. I'm going to tweak it. Right, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's, it is. It's one of those things. That's the again... That's what I love about live theater, though, is that it's very real. Yeah, you know, it's live music. It's oh, when the
1: play is going, you don't get a second chance. There's an audience. No, no, no. It's no, like it's no. like yeah. you're a performer playing a show at this yeah. point.
2: And it's and it's constant. <clears throat> so it's uh it's I wanted to say irascible, but it never <laughs> it never ends. They never aren't looking at you. You can't when you're on stage in a live show. If you're playing music, if you're in a play, whatever it is, if you turn the wrong way, that's just, if you yes. say the wrong thing, mm-hmm. if you move the wrong way, uh-huh. if you drop character, if your face, if you're supposed to be happy and you look confused, don't for lose a countenance. Second, yes, you you blow it, and so you know it. It is. It's just, and you can't you can't not do that if you're not well rehearsed. If you're not practiced. that's just it. Uh, Lee Cross uh, directed the Schoolhouse Rock, and man, he was terrible. We'd show up at 6, we'd practice until 10, it was six nights a week, we had dance practice on Sunday afternoons, uh, and it was an amazing show because of it.
1: I've been in three plays, Mm -hmm. and one play that I was in, it was the first play I was ever in, it was the best play I was ever in. I also played music in that play, and uh, ended up being like the lead role. Mm -hmm. and my best friend at the time man he was like irritated by it he wasn't even in the play but he was a he was irritated by the time it was taken away from us hanging out yeah and i was like i've got to get this right Mm -hmm. why because i play four songs in this play on top of i have more lines than anyone else
2: yeah and it matters
1: and it matters completely and on top of that I have to perform three nights in a row. Yeah. And I want the first to be the best of the last.
2: Yeah. And and that's our that is literally the feeling I have about the album right now. We're, you know, we've got uh we're going to try to keep it to about 10 or 12 songs and we're go- we've got uh four or five of them locked down already. We've got the others written and we're just kind of building them out, but we've taken our time. This is how I want the song to sound, we I say I This is how we want the song to sound. This is how we want it to go. That's it. This is the length of time we want it to be. And we want to do, you know, I want to do it with no failings whatsoever. With no. Exactly. You know, with and like you said, we're going to try to do it in two venues. We're going to try to do it like one show this, you know, on Friday night and one show on Saturday night and try to like video both of them, audio record both of them. And uh, have two cuts of it, you know, in case we like this cut of this song better than the other or something it. like that. But, uh, but live audience, live, live everything. Yeah. But it, you know, it is. It's so much pressure and it's so much worry and all of that. But it's also what makes it. And that's what he was adventure. saying. He's like, he, he, he was like, you're to...
1: putting too much on yourself,
2: and I was like, I don't think I'm putting enough. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't want to be the one that blew
0: it
2: that's my thing it's like you don't understand dude it's not that I don't I've got
1: four songs and I'm the lead role
2: yeah it's not that I don't want that to happen that's not happening yeah that's the point like I'm not gonna be the reason Susan can blow it right it's not gonna be me yeah Yeah. I've had big roles you know and, and you you know it's overwhelming and you're learning the lines and it's hard and you got you make a lot of mistakes during rehearsal and everything But when you show up that, you know, when I showed up for my first lead role, like that first night I was terrified, but you know, it is what it is. I've Mm -hmm. learned, I've worked, this is as good as I'm going to be at it, now I just got to do it, you know, and not, again, not everybody understands that. And again, like
1: even like, man, like when I was trying to get to my best, I always felt that There was something better.
2: Oh, sure, sure.
1: Like, I'm not even there.
2: Ids is like that, you know, we did Ids of October, and there's four songs on there that I feel like... I hate recorded songs, man, because I I always think
1: that, I was like, there's a different effect, there's something better, I I could have done the chord change different, I could have, I could have enunciated my words differently. I didn't make
2: them feel what I wanted them to feel. Yeah,
1: man, yeah, exactly.
2: I didn't get it across right. Uh. Our, uh, our happiness has grown so much in the last year. You know, we've, uh, uh Ed's been doing really. His work's been going great. My work has been growing great, like my professional, my, my oil change job, my nine to five, if you will, even though it's in fact longer. Uh, <laughs> who works nine to five? You lucky son of <laughs> Yeah. Who are you? Nobody. Because I work like 7.30 <laughs> to six. That's what yeah. I work. I'm on uh,
1: salary eight to five, and I'd rather see eight to uh, five, you know?
2: Yeah, it's It's ugly. Uh but uh we, you know, uh Shonda's gotten a new job and she's she's been doing great. Like our uh we're all happy. We're all at this great place, you know, and Lord knows it might change tomorrow. But right now we're all good, our families are healthy, our you know, our friendships are strong, our and we're just loving what we're doing. Uh and and so it was the perfect time for us to do a new album. And great. Uh, and we've got, we've got happy songs. We've got, you know, we've got like, it, and it really is like, one of the fun things about our band is fun. is like when people leave our show, I want them to be like, man, that was a good time. Yeah. Like you know, Shane missed that lick. You know, he, maybe he should have done this on the solo, or you know, what was he wearing? I don't care. <laughs> Whatever it is they say, but like I said, I you know, we had a good time. Yeah. We had fun. Shane was laughing. He was making me laugh. He yeah. was such an idiot. And that's the point, then, right? Yeah, you had, had a good time. And so we've gotten, uh, we've we've tried to stick to that. Like we we selected a few topics early in the album work. Like, what do we want to do? And what do we want to talk about? Uh-huh. And, uh and we tried to be we tried to make sure that uh that it is it's happy because we're it's we're happy to be happy you know we as a band we saw some darker times and uh and uh it's uh it's good for things to be for us to have each other you know i mean i'm a, I'm a lucky dude man when it comes to 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 you know wives and kids and music mm-hmm. and Step dads and step moms, and, and I, I really am. I mean, man, I've I, in my walk. Of it can life, be bad,
1: man. I consider myself to be the luckiest man of all time. Mm-hmm. I do. Like, a, like I a,
2: think all happy people do. Yeah, I really. I, I think that's a prerequisite. You have to realize. Yeah. Again, yeah, you have like to I say, yeah. Uh, how many atoms I, was, there are out there? Was, was I depressed at something? Yes. Yeah. Sure.
1: Have I been laid up in the bathroom floor in a ball crying? Really? Yeah.
2: Yes. It was mostly chemical. Yeah. It was, it was. all <laughs> chemical. Okay. I'm over it. That's right. Well, I'll do it tonight. Maybe. Maybe. But <laughs> maybe. But it's all chemical. Yeah.
1: But I, I really truly believe, man. Like, like, at the end of the day. It's like, uh, when, I, when I lay down, I'm I am
2: the luckiest guy that's ever lived. Yeah. You should be. You should, everybody should feel like that. You know, if, you're, if you believe in the Big Bang Theory, or if you believe in Jesus. Whatever you believe. Whichever way, you know, those are, not that they're extreme, but those yeah. are the two extremes, really. Whichever one you believe, <coughs> let's go with Big Bang. Yeah. You believe the entire universe jumped out of, of a particle smaller than an atom. And it was so dense that it contained the whole universe and it blew out. Yeah. And it became the universe. You believe that? Mhm. Don't you think that's a little miraculous? It's
1: extremely <laughs> it's
2: extremely <laughs> miraculous, right? If you don't believe that, if you believe in Jesus, you know, hey, are you telling me Jesus doesn't have the power to do that? Well, no, they're not telling you that because yeah. he is all powerful. So Wherever you land on any on any 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 spot, yeah, any spiritual spot, wherever you land, we're lucky to be here, man. Yeah, we are. We're lucky. Me and you are lucky to be hanging out. Yeah, these folks are lucky to be listening. Nobody listening to this podcast can build a toaster by themselves. Mm -mm. They don't know how to fab metal and build electrical components and design plastics. And if you do, call me. Yeah, and get them out of the ground. We can only do this together, and because we're together, we've done incredible yeah. things. And, and I promise you, we're going to continue doing incredible Absolutely, things. Absolutely, man. And, and I'm excited to see what happens.
1: <laughs> Shane, it's been great to have you on the podcast again, brother. It
2: has. It's been great to have me on the podcast again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> It's been another episode of Podcast. Uh it's been another episode of Porch Talk. Shane, thank you so much, man. We're getting out of here. My brother. My brother. Peace out. Out. My
0: whole Saturday. Sunday too. I was thinking about ways not to lose And I lay down my weapons is what I've done Too late to hide feet Too soft to turn and run People say I'm the luckiest man In this age Running is useless, and fighting is foolish. You're not going to win, but still, you're the luckiest man you're up against. Too many horses, and mysterious forces. You're not going to win, but still, you're the luckiest man. You're the luckiest man. Don't talk to the devil When he calls my name Sometimes when I'm losing It all feels the same And when I fall I'm back up again Just to slip on the same mistakes Slide right back in People say I'm the luckiest man. Oh, and they say running is useless and fighting is foolish. You're not gonna win, but still, you're the luckiest man. You're up against too many horses. And mysterious forces, but what you don't know is you are the luckiest man You're the Luckiest. Try to keep my faith, keep my mind. Hate to lose either one when the whip cracks behind. And I can't help but moan in just a little each night. People say everything is gonna be alright. People say I'm the luckiest man Ooh, and they say well, Running is a useless And fighting is foolish You're not gonna win, but still You're the luckiest man you're up against well, Too many horses and mysterious forces but what you don't know is you are the luckiest man you're the luckiest man yeah.
2: what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas